0: Welcome to NTD Evening News. Our top story tonight, reactions pouring in from GOP presidential candidates as former President Trump vows to fight the Colorado court ruling to keep an off the ballot. What's coming next? And a new strategy announced by the Colorado GOP. Iris Tau in Washington, D.C. And Trump doesn't appear to be affected by the ruling. The former president rallied in Iowa not long after the news broke. Harley Richards has the latest. The U.S. agrees to free a Colombian businessman in exchange for 10 Americans jailed in Venezuela. Find out the reason he's been detained and who else is on the list. Israel says they are ready for another temporary ceasefire to release more hostages. How will Hamas respond? Meanwhile, Hamas releases a video reportedly showing attacks on Israeli troops. Jason Perry reports. Iran-backed Houthis vow to retaliate if the U.S. escalates against Yemen. Washington is spearheading a multinational coalition to protect a vital Red Sea trade route from Houthi missile strikes. Texas's new border law aims to stop illegal immigration. Civil rights groups already filed a lawsuit against it. Arian Pasdar brings you what the allegations are and what the president of Mexico is saying against the new law.
1: This is NTD Evening News. Live from our NTD Global Headquarters in New York City, here is Tiffany Meyer.
0: Good evening and thank you for joining us tonight. Will former President Trump actually be barred from the Colorado primary? A new move by the Colorado Republican Party and the latest reactions from President Biden. NTD's Iris Tau has more from the White House.
2: Trump's team is saying that they have full confidence that a US Supreme Court will quickly overturn this ruling by the Colorado Supreme Court, which says that former President Trump is disqualified from appearing on the state's 2024 ballot because he had participated in an insurrection. But it's important to note that the Colorado Supreme Court itself put a hold on its order pending any appeal action by January 4th, And the deadline for the state secretary of Colorado to certify candidates on the ballots is actually January 5th. So it means that unless the U.S. Supreme Court rules to remove Trump from the ballot by then, it will basically mean that Trump will still appear on the ballot despite the ruling yesterday. Not Trump and President Biden, while saying he won't get into the specific ruling itself, said this today about Trump. He saw it all. Now whether the 14th Amendment applies or let the court make that decision. But he certainly supported an insurrection. And no question about it. None. Zero. Meanwhile, the Colorado Republican Party today announced that if the ruling by the Colorado Supreme Court actually stands, it would consider ditching the primary ballot system and switch to a caucus system instead, which will allow them to basically bypass the ballot issue here. Back to you.
0: And despite the Colorado decision, Trump is unmoved. He rallied in Iowa on Tuesday in a packed house. Meanwhile, other GOP candidates are even showing support. NTD's Arlene Richards has the details.
3: Thank you very much.
4: less Thank than you. an hour before former president waterloo, trump took the stage in waterloo iowa on tuesday the news broke a court's decision to disqualify trump from the colorado primary ballot the former president said in a campaign statement that it's election interference he said crooked joe and the democrats know they can't beat us at the ballot box so their new plan is to nullify every single trump ballot in the nation to keep biden in the white house the Republican frontrunner is crushing his primary rivals in the latest New York Times Siena poll. 64% of registered voters nationwide said they would most likely vote for Donald Trump if they voted today. 11% would vote for Nikki Haley and 9% for Governor Ron DeSantis. Despite the numbers, the former president is getting support from some of his rivals.
5: I do not believe Donald Trump should be prevented from being president of the United States by any court. I think he should be prevented from being president of the United States by the voters of this country.
6: There was no trial on any of this. They basically just said, what, you can't be on the ballot? Could we just say that Biden can't be on the ballot because he let in 8 million illegals uh, into the country and violated the constitution, which
5: he has? I pledge to withdraw from the Colorado GOP primary ballot unless and until Trump's name is restored. And I demand that Ron DeSantis and Chris Christie and Nikki Haley do the same thing or else these Republicans are simply complicit.
4: A Republican who sued against Trump in the case said Trump is ineligible to run for president. I'm very, very happy about tonight's ruling. I know there's going to be an appeal, but this is really about rule of law. It's about the Constitution. But Trump's focus on winning the election hasn't wavered. He defended his comments about immigrants. They're
7: ruining
3: our country. And it's true. They're destroying the blood of our country. That's what they're doing. They're destroying our country. They don't like it when I said that. And I never read Mein Kampf. They said, oh, Hitler said that in a much different way.
4: Campaign spokesman Stephen Chung said in a statement, Democrat Party leaders are in a state of paranoia over the growing dominant lead President Trump has amassed in the polls. They have lost faith in the failed Biden presidency and are doing everything they can to stop the American voters from throwing them out of office next November. The campaign plans to appeal to the Supreme Court. Arlene Richards,
0: NTD News. Did the Department of Justice try to surveil members of Congress and their staff? Representative Jim Jordan is trying to find out, taking his probe to the next level, subpoenaing the AG. Here's more on that in the latest congressional updates.
8: House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan is asking the Department of Justice to hand over documents and information about the DOJ's attempt to get personal information about Republican staffers, particularly those involved with conducting oversight of the DOJ's handling of the Steele dossier. For example, Jason Foster, a former chief investigative counsel, said he was one of many who were told just this year that the DOJ had subpoenaed Google for their personal phone records and emails. Jordan, in a letter attached with a subpoena, writes that the committee is trying to determine whether the department sought to alleviate the heightened separation of power sensitivities involved or whether the department first saw the information through other means before resorting to legal process. And over in the Senate, the finish conforming all the military nominees were held up under Senator Tommy Tuberville's blockade. The final 11 four-star generals were approved this week just before senators leaving D.C. today. However, another order of business was left unfinished, a deal on Ukraine aid and changing border policy.
5: No longer any disagreement that the situation at the southern border is unsustainable. We agree the border must be fixed. That is a broad consensus in our in our caucus. We must succeed. Democrats, myself,
8: remain totally committed to working with our Republican counterparts to reach an agreement. Now, senators have left D.C. for the holiday recess, punting a possible deal into early next year.
0: Turning our attention now to South America, Venezuela is freeing 10 jailed Americans in exchange for the release of Colombian businessman Alex Saab. He was arrested on a US warrant back in 2020 for funneling some $350 million from a Venezuelan housing program. Saab is a close ally of Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro. US officials often refer to him as Maduro's bag man. AS FOR THE RELEASED AMERICANS, ACCORDING TO THE WHITE HOUSE, SIX AMONG THE TEN WERE WRONGFULLY DETAINED BY THE SOCIALIST REGIME. VENEZUELA WILL FREE AT LEAST 20 VENEZUELANS AS WELL, INCLUDING POLITICAL PRISONERS. AS PART OF THE AGREEMENT, VENEZUELA WILL ALSO EXTRADITE LEONARD FRANCIS, A DEFENSE CONTRACTOR KNOWN AS FAT LEONARD, WHO ORCHESTRATED ONE OF THE LARGEST BRIBERY SCHEMES IN THE HISTORY OF THE U.S. MILITARY. THE SCANDAL TOOK DOWN NEARLY TWO DOZEN NAVY OFFICIALS. Francis fled the U.S. ahead of his scheduled sentencing last year and has since stayed in South America. The Israel Hamas war has torn families apart, as Hamas is still holding 129 hostages in the Gaza Strip. Israel says they're ready for a ceasefire to release more of them. Will another hostage deal happen soon? NTD's Jason Perry has the latest on the war. <music>
9: As the war rages on, Hamas terrorists released another video on Wednesday showing what appear to be attacks on Israeli troops in the Gaza Strip. This terrorist is seen waiting in a hallway before an Israeli tank, highlighted in red, drives by and he fires at it. The Hamas video even showed an attack on an IDF bulldozer. And another terrorist group also fighting in the Gaza Strip. The Palestinian Islamic Jihad released a hostage video showing two Israelis in captivity. One of the hostages, Elad Katzer, now looks like this. And the other hostage, Gadi Moses, now looks like this. Gadi Moses' son, Yair Moses, said they hadn't heard anything about his father since he was kidnapped. And the video was the first sign of life they'd seen in two and a half months.
4: We're happy to see it, but from the other end, we are very worried. He's looked very thin, very exhausted, five or ten years older than what he was three months ago. And we're very worried about his condition and his well-being. And he added this. We expect Israel government and and the negotiator to do whatever they can in order to release him and all the other hostages. Um, To keep releasing them, priority number one task for everyone in Israel. I think it should be the number one task for the world.
9: Approximately 129 hostages are still being held captive by Hamas and other terrorists. Meanwhile, Israel's president said on Tuesday that they're ready for another ceasefire so more hostages can be released, and he added that the holdup is not because of Israel.
10: The responsibility lies fully with uh, Sinwar and the leadership of Hamas.
9: Meanwhile, Hamas has said they will not release any hostages until the war has ended completely. On Wednesday, Hamas leader Ismail Haniyeh, who normally resides in Qatar, met with Egyptian officials in Cairo to discuss the war. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu had this to say about the idea of stopping the war completely. (laughs)
1: We are continuing the war to the end. It will continue until Hamas is eliminated, until victory. Whoever thinks that we will stop is detached from reality. We will not stop the fighting until all of the goals that we have set are achieved. The elimination of Hamas, the release of our hostages, and the removal of the threat from Gaza.
9: Also on Wednesday, President Biden was asked whether there'd be a hostage deal anytime soon. He said they're pushing for one, but there's no expectation at this point. Jason Perry in TD News.
0: The leader of the Yemeni Houthis vows to retaliate if Washington takes aim at Yemen. This is as the U.S. is spearheading a multinational coalition to interrupt Houthi attacks against cargo ships passing through the Red Sea.
1: Any American targeting our country will be targeted by us, and we will make American battleships, interests, and navigation a target for our missiles, drones, and military operations.
0: The Iran-backed group has been escalating missile strikes against vessels sailing through the Red Sea in an attempt to show support for Hamas terrorists amid the Israel-Hamas war. Those strikes are forcing ships to either cancel transit or reroute to Africa, which is causing gas and shipping prices to rise. The U.S.-led security pact, joined by nine other countries, plans to ramp up patrol in the Red Sea to deter and respond to future Houthi attacks. Civil rights groups are challenging a new border law in Texas. The Lone Star State is trying to stop people from entering illegally. The president of Mexico and others now say they're against the rule. NTD's Aryan Pasdar has an update on the immigration crisis.
9: Biden's deliberate inaction has left Texas to fend for itself.
10: Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Monday signed a law giving local officials the ability to arrest and deport illegal immigrants. Multiple civil rights groups are now challenging it, saying Texas unlawfully keeps the federal government from enforcing immigration laws and that it illegally bars immigrants from applying for asylum. Mexican President Andrés Manuel López Obrador says Mexico is also preparing to challenge the law. I
1: want to tell our fellow countrymen and migrants we will be defending them. Texas' governor acts that way because he wants to be the vice president candidate for the Republican Party in the United States. And with these measures, he wants to gain popularity.
10: Footage from Eagle Pass, Texas, on Wednesday showed thousands of immigrants trying to enter the Lone Star State. The new law is set to take effect in March. In other Texas-related news, a razor wire fence is allowed to stay up at the state's southern border, for now. A federal appeals court on Tuesday temporarily blocked the Biden administration from removing the fence. Back in October, the state sued the Biden administration for cutting almost 30 miles of concertina wire. And lastly, illegal immigration now affects international trade. Business groups and train operators are pressing the government to reopen rail bridges in Eagle Pass and El Paso. Border authorities closed them on Monday because they're understaffed. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce says shutting down rail traffic through Eagle Pass and El Paso will inflict significant economic harm. Ariane Pastar, NTD News.
0: Coming up, will the Supreme Court take up former President Trump's Colorado ballot case? Our guest says they should hear his assessment when we return after the break. Welcome back, what are the broader ramifications of taking former President Trump off the ballot in Colorado and is this justified from a legal perspective? Joining us now to explore, we have Mike Davis, founder and president of Article 3 project. He is the former chief counsel for nominations to Senate Judiciary Chairman Chuck Grassley and former law clerk for Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. He also practices law in Colorado. Mike Davis, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show.
5: Thank you for having me.
0: To begin, Colorado has removed Trump from the 2024 ballot invoking Section 3 of the Constitution's 14th Amendment. Where is the due process here?
5: Well, this is a completely incorrect reading of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment by four partisan left-wing Judges on the Colorado Supreme Court. The case law is very clear. If you wanna disqualify someone under section three of the 14th Amendment passed after the Civil War to chase out of office Confederate sympathizers who engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States, Congress has to pass a federal criminal statute, which Congress did in 1869, uh, related to insurrection or rebellion, you have to bring federal charges uh, approved by a federal grand jury. You have to have a federal jury unanimously find the the defendant guilty with evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. The judge, the federal judge, has to uh, convict that defendant, and that conviction has to be upheld by, on appeal through the federal courts. That is the only way you can disqualify under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. There is a case. FROM CHIEF JUSTICE SAMUEL CHASE MORE THAN 150 YEARS AGO THAT IS DIRECTLY ON POINT. IT IS CONTROLLING. AND THE COLORADO SUPREME COURT IGNORED THIS AND RAILROADED PRESIDENT TRUMP.
0: AND GIVEN THE COLORADO COURT'S RULING, WHAT ARE THE BROADER RAMIFICATIONS HERE? WELL, THE SUPREME COURT NEEDS TO DECIDE WHETHER TO TAKE THIS CASE. IT SHOULD TAKE
5: THIS CASE, BECAUSE THIS HAS BROADER RAMIFICATIONS, AS YOU SAID, because. Trump's not going to win Colorado in the general election. But what's going to happen is is you're going to have key swing states uh, try to use this precedent in Colorado to disqualify President Trump in places like Michigan and New Hampshire and Minnesota, maybe Wisconsin states where Trump is going to win. They know these Democrats, whether they're the judges, whether they're the prosecutors, whether they're the lawyers, they know that President Trump is on the path to beating President Biden like a drum ON NOVEMBER fifth, 2024, AFTER THE DEMOCRATS IMPEACHED TRUMP TWICE FOR NONSENSE, INDICTED HIM FOUR TIMES FOR NON-CRIMES, ILLEGALLY GAGGED HIM TWICE, TRIED TO BANKRUPT HIS BUSINESS FOR NON-FRAUD. AND NOW THIS IS THEIR LEGAL HAIL MARY, TO SIMPLY TAKE TRUMP OFF THE BALLOT, BECAUSE THEY KNOW THE AMERICAN PEOPLE WANT TO PUT TRUMP IN THE WHITE HOUSE.
0: In terms of the U.S. Supreme Court, if they take up the case, a former Trump lawyer, Tig Hobb, is saying that if the Supreme Court picks it up, it would rule nine to zero on the case. Do you agree with his assessment?
5: Well, it should be nine to zero for Trump because this case is so easy and there's controlling precedent. That you can't just have four radical judges on a state Supreme Court like Colorado or a radical Secretary of State somewhere decide on behalf of millions of voters. And their state, who's going to be on their ballot? That is not how Section 3 of the Constitution works. It's not how it was ever intended. And that's not what Congress wanted when it passed the federal criminal statute. So the Supreme Court should take this. They should reverse this 9 to nothing. Unfortunately, the three Democrat appointed justices on the Supreme Court tend to be political actors. And so uh, and, uh, this could be 6 to 3. Who knows if these Republican justices? Uh, who oftentimes go weak and wobbly, sometimes, uh, you know, you have to, you you have to wonder where they're going to turn out. This should be nine, nothing. This is a, this is a very easy case.
0: Now, there's also been growing calls that if the Supreme Court picks it up, Justice Clarence Thomas should recuse himself due to his wife's connections to the Trump White House before January 6th. What do you make of those calls? That is
5: completely nonsense. It's legally baseless. JUDGES DON'T OWN THEIR WIVES, RIGHT, AND uh, JENNY THOMAS HAS BEEN A POLITICAL ACTIVIST LONG BEFORE SHE MET CLARENCE THOMAS LONG BEFORE CLARENCE THOMAS BECAME A JUDGE AND LONG BEFORE CLARENCE THOMAS WAS ELEVATED TO THE SUPREME COURT. Uh, the, THE SENATE CONFIRMED CLARENCE THOMAS KNOWING THAT JENNY THOMAS IS A POLITICAL ACTIVIST AND THAT IS NOT THE LEGAL STANDARD. IF IT WERE THE LEGAL STANDARD TO RECUSE SOMEONE BASED UPON THEIR WIFE'S POLITICAL ACTIVITIES, then Biden's special counsel, Jack Smith, would have to step down because his wife is a political activist. She's a Democrat donor, including to Obama and Biden. She produced a documentary for Michelle Obama, but that's not the legal standard, and the Democrats are playing games here.
0: Now, zooming in on Colorado, there has been pushback within the state where Colorado's Republican Party is saying that if this ruling stays, they're going to make sure that they're not on the ballot completely and convert the system to a caucus. How feasible is that changing it from a primary to a caucus? Well, this shouldn't have to
5: happen. And, and even three of the seven Democrat appointed justices said that this should not have happened. Three of the three of the Democrat justices filed, a, filed strong dissents saying what four of their radical Democrat colleagues did was un-American. It's unconstitutional. It violates due process. It's unprecedented. It, it, up, it uproots the norms. It's actually a danger to democracy that these four radicals are pretending to protect.
0: Mike Davis, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Coming up, a report finds that the Chinese regime tried to meddle in the 2022 elections. Our guest says they'll do it even more in 2024. Hear what else he has to say about China's influence campaigns in the U.S. And many big hospitals have been warned about keeping their prices secret, violating federal rules. How can patients know ahead of time what they'll have to pay? We ask the experts after the break. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, here are some today's top headlines. Former President Trump campaigned in Iowa in spite of the news that the Colorado Supreme Court kicked him off the primary ballot in the state. As other GOP candidates speak up in support of him, the Colorado GOP considers converting the primary to a caucus to circumvent the ruling. Trump plans to appeal, but the deadline to finalize the list of candidates on the ballot is January 5th. The Biden administration and Venezuela reached a prisoner swap deal. Venezuela will release 10 Americans plus another 20 Venezuelan political prisoners in exchange for an ally of President Nicolas Maduro. Israel says it's ready to negotiate another hostage and ceasefire deal with Hamas. This as Hamas's political leader met with Egyptian officials in Cairo to discuss the war. A recent report by the the intelligence community finds that the Chinese regime tried to meddle in the 2022 midterm elections. How does it work and what will happen in the 2024 election? Joining us now is Dean Baxendale, CEO of China Democracy Fund and Optimum Publishing International. Baxendale just published a new book, The Mosaic Effect, how the Chinese Communist Party started a hybrid war in America's backyard. Dean Baxendale, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show.
6: Well, thank you. It's, it's great great to be here today. Thank you for having me.
0: Now, there's a declassified U.S. intelligence report that says China tried to meddle in the 2022 midterm elections in the U.S. How seriously should we be taking this?
6: I think we should be taking this extremely seriously. The CIA and, and the intelligence community are doing a great service for America and, quite frankly, for the free world, by declassifying and making some of these reports available to the public to understand that uh, malign state governments like the Chinese Communist Party, Russia, Iran, are all interfering uh, in elections around the world. So I would say, yes, it's extremely important that this report, this information is coming out.
0: On that note, the report notes that China, quote, tacitly approved efforts to try to influence a handful of midterm races involving members of both U.S. political parties. Those are candidates seen as anti-China. Now, how is China able to influence elections outside of their own borders?
6: So, as you know, the, the, the Chinese Communist Party uses the United Front works department uh, globally. Uh, they're running operations uh, in Canada, the United States, Mexico, the, the UK. Uh, they have United Front people who, who ultimately control uh, various media outlets uh, throughout and, and proxy corporations, especially in Canada, where we have 56 media outlets that are either controlled directly or indirectly by the Chinese Communist Party or proxies there. Uh, attached to the United Front, so they're using um, you know their own information within the Chinese community uh, to change votes or persuade Chinese diaspora community members to vote in a certain way or to view a politician uh, in a certain way that might be negative, uh, um, you know, towards China, and therefore that is one way they would, would influence in terms directly in the media. The next, of course, is social media. Uh, And their use of trolls and bots around the world uh, that continue to put out uh, disinformation or misinformation, however you want want to look at it, uh, and actually exacerbate points of division, both on the left and the right, that alienate uh, voters uh, and actually influence them in voting in particular ways.
0: And in terms of the United Front Work Department, give us a sense of how does this relate to the Chinese Communist Party? Is this its own little category or is it... Backed
6: by the government? So, as you know, the United Front actually is a department of, uh, of the Chinese Communist Party. There is over, uh, I believe now there is over close to 40,000 uh, know, employees, so to speak, that work for the United Front around the world. They're doing influence operations, both soft power and sharp power. Uh, operations inside countries around the globe to in, to ensure that that you know China is viewed uh, as a positive and a great nation to do business with uh, and to uh, ultimately partner with. Their propaganda operations, misinformation, disinformation, propaganda is just one of the many tools used by the United Front. Um, you know throughout the world. You know you can look at other elements of the United Front, including. Um, you know, uh, direct political uh, influence operations in terms of uh, bribes or and or uh, money that's being donated directly into ridings, for instance, we call them ridings here in Canada, or directly into constituencies um, that may influence a politician in how he views uh, a particular issue that may be pro or against the, the Chinese Communist Party's ambitions.
0: And given these Chinese influence campaigns that were disclosed in the report, what can we expect to see in the 2024 presidential election?
6: I, I think we can see a lot more. Uh, you know, there, there, there's clear uh, bias by the Chinese Communist Party to sow division in in U.S. politics. Period. Uh, whether or not they're favoring, uh, you know, Donald Trump over uh, Joe Joe Biden, I can't imagine actually that they'd be favoring. Uh, Donald Trump, because he, under his administration, put some of the toughest um, sanctions in place, which have then been carried on by this current administration. Um, but if they can so, you know, if they can affect uh, local state elections and or, you know, congr- congressional elections, I think they will try to do that and put people who are sympathetic. And there's a clear, you, you can see a number of politicians. Over the years, and obviously they're becoming more and more aware of it in the United States. And thank goodness for uh, you know the various congressional committees, uh, and certainly the one that Mike Gallagher is being quite vocal on. I was in Washington last week and and heard the testimony, for instance, of Anna Kwok who was of course was. Uh, one of the many protesters at the APEC meeting. Uh, that's part of their transnational repression. But these voices are coming out in Washington. Laws are coming forward. I just don't see China actually affecting the uh, the consensus uh, and the bipartisan nature of both con- uh, congressional Uh, sides of the House, Republican, Democratic, who are on side to combat China in in very many different legislative ways, and they're putting those in place today.
0: And as Americans head to the polls, how can people prepare against these Chinese influence campaigns and be on their guard? So, listen I said,
6: I, I think there, you know, there, there needs to be a broader education for, for the public in understanding uh, the kinds of messaging that may be coming at them. Uh, once again, you know, look to trusted sources. Taking somebody's third-hand uh, information from the internet or from, from a Twitter feed is not the way to verify facts and information. It may speak to you know, your perspective, but I would tell the public to dig deeper look to the research, go to government websites to verify certain facts and information, quite frankly, because the governments are transparent. I mean, I know there's a lack of trust by some people in in America of government, as there is around the world, and quite frankly, that's part of a bigger campaign by our enemies to sow, um, you know, discord and discontent within our own uh, democratic uh, systems and institutions. So I think they need to be vigilant. They need to be aware that, that messaging can be altered and changed. Just don't take everything for granted.
0: Dean Baxendown, thank you so much for your time.
6: Thank you very much for having me today.
0: Secret hospital prices. Bloomberg finds that some of America's largest hospital systems have failed to let patients know ahead of time what they'd have to pay, violating federal rules.
11: NTD's Virginia Gibson has more. Some of America's biggest hospital systems have kept their prices secret from their patients, according to records obtained by Bloomberg. The hospitals were cited for violating the federal price transparency rule.
8: Disgusting. The fact that this price transparency regulation came out in 2019 and now we're still having hospitals spend dragging their feet.
11: Tanner Aliff is the policy director for the right on health care at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. He says the more hospitals keep these prices secret, the less price competition there'll be, and the less likely we'll see a potential world where prices go down and costs aren't so high. As a result, patients suffer, and the hospitals themselves suffer as well. If
8: they were actually to offer competitive pricing, They'd be able to attract a whole patient volume from some of their competitors and they'd be good business for everybody. Patients would be happier. Premiums would increase every single year.
11: When hospitals do put out their prices, it's still very hard for patients to compare them. Even experts struggle. There's inconsistent data specification. Is a listed price per day or per treatment? Sometimes missing information. What is the payer class, Medicaid or Medicare? Certain payer classes have lower rates. Lack of standardization. There is no uniform way to report prices. There could also be multiple providers. During a surgery, multiple healthcare providers could be involved, and each one may bill separately. Experts suggest calling hospitals to get a quote.
8: But when you get into that office or that hospital, and you actually get, you know, a head to toe evaluation, they may decide that you need different treatment. And that quote, you know, could double, it could triple, it could be tenfold higher.
11: Luca Yankopoulis is the CEO of medical supply chain firm Grapevine Technologies. He says comparing prices from different hospitals is extremely complicated. So much so that it is
8: an almost impossible equation for the average patient, you know, to execute in advance of going to see a doctor and that's a problem.
11: Copolis believes lawmakers have a responsibility to make the process easier. Virginia Gibson, NTD News.
0: Coming up, tired of trash covering public spaces, one California student is taking matters into his own hands. David Lamb has more on his story. And in college football news, how feasible would it be for a team like Florida State to suddenly switch conferences? Dave Martin joins us in the studio to discuss when we return. Welcome back, fed up with trash covering public spaces. One California college student is taking matters into his own hands. Literally nearly every day he goes out to clean up trash on the streets for free. NTD's David Lamb hears more from Edgar McGregor.
7: 23-year-old Edgar McGregor has dedicated over 1,600 days to cleaning up debris in our planet's natural spaces, parks, canyons, open space preserves, and beaches.
3: Sometimes people come up to me and they'll ask me, why do you continue to do the trash pickups each and every day? And the reality is that each passing year, there's more and more reason not to do
7: it. The Californian graduated with a bachelor's degree from San Jose State University this Monday, studying climate science. McGregor told NTD he felt like he wasn't doing enough.
3: Um, So I decided to push myself a little bit, and every Saturday I started going out to my local park to clean up trash with a five-gallon bucket. Um, It was surprisingly easy. All I needed was my bucket and the pair of gloves and my shoes and uh, clothes on my back, and
7: that's about it. He says he's done six to seven-hour cleanups, but most of the cleanups are about an hour long, sometimes two or three minutes.
3: There were times uh, where I would, you know, get done with one class, have to, you know, rush to the park, clean up trash for 15 minutes, rush back to my next class, uh, and that was kind of stressful because an important part of my daily trash pickup mission is actually being outside in nature.
7: McGregor's longest consecutive pickup was over 402 days in a row.
3: The only times I don't clean up trash is days where I have multiple finals. I think one semester I had four finals on one day and I just had to miss that day. Um, if there's a lot of wildfire smoke around, that can also prevent me from doing my cleanups because that's just unsafe. But Um, For the most part, weather is not a problem. I'll go clean up trash in the pouring rain. I'll go clean up trash when it's 124 degrees Fahrenheit outside.
7: His latest pickup time was 11.15 at night on his 1,606th day. And even after graduating, McGregor says he's still trying to clean the planet. David Lamb, NTD News, California.
0: And now for your sports news, we're joined by NTD's Dave Martin. Dave, today is National Signing Day in college football. Now, as usual, Georgia and Alabama have signed the highest-rated classes. How do they determine all this?
1: Well, it's a lot of educated guesswork. I mean, pretty much every high school player who looks like they could play Division I football is scouted for their production, the competition level they have faced, uh, the eye test, you know, how they look on the field, their height, their weight, their speed. These are fluid rankings, of course, but the best of the best are giving five-star ratings. I believe one major publication handed out just a total of 33 to high school seniors this year. The next tier is four-star and so on. Now, the best teams will get up to like maybe five, five-star recruits, probably between 10 and 24 stars, and then a few three-stars in there as well. Then the main ranking systems, which were like Rivals.com and ESPN, they just assign a certain amount of points for each five-star each four-star and add them up. You know, usually they're pretty close. I mean, Georgia's won the last two national championships. Alabama's won six of the last 14, but you don't really know until they actually hit the field.
0: Now, ESPN is reporting that one of those teams with a great class, Florida State, is discussing their long future in the ACC. Would their exit be as simple as those who left the Pac 12?
1: Uh, not at this point, anyway. You know, schools tie themselves together, of course, to a conference by signing over their TV grant of rights to that conference for the duration of their TV deal. Now the PAC-12's TV deal runs out this next summer. That's when everyone's leaving. The ACC's deal runs through 2036, so basically even if Florida State left, legally the ACC would still own their TV broadcast rights and the revenues from them until 2036. No one has been able to legally challenge this. Now, that TV revenue is what makes up the majority of the revenue that these conferences distribute to their members. Unfortunately, the ACC has fallen well behind the Big Ten and the SEC in terms of revenue. I think each ACC school gets roughly 40 million a year, while the Big Ten and the SEC are at like 70 million. Now, the ACC could vote to make their revenues like more disproportionate, so some teams get others based on like marketability or something. But it's hard to see that getting enough votes to happen, so I really don't see what options they have.
0: Now looking at the NFL, some interesting news out today as the Jets have decided to put Aaron Rodgers on their active squad, though he won't actually play. What's the reasoning here?
1: Yeah, I guess they just want him to continue to be able to practice, you know. If they didn't activate him, he would have to go back on injured reserve and he wouldn't be able to practice with them anymore. Uh, I'm a little surprised, though, now, because this puts four act- quarterbacks on their active roster. Usually teams only have two or three. You know, they have also, they've already got Zach Wilson, Trevor Simeon, and Brett Ripon. Now, Rodgers had actually previously targeted this Sunday's game against Washington as a possible return. But with them out of the playoffs, I guess uh, that idea has been officially uh, nixed by him and, and probably the Jets brass.
0: Shifting gears to baseball now with Shohei Otani off of the market, what's the next big domino to fall?
1: You know, it could be another Japanese star, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who's still actually, he's a free agent, but he's directly from the Japan leagues. You know, what's intriguing about him is that he's 25 years old. You know, for reference, Shohei Otani is 29. That's a big difference in baseball baseball years. Usually players start to decline in their 30s. Of course, the risk is that he's never actually pitched in the big leagues before. So he's a total wild card. though he's definitely dominated in Japan. Now, rumors have the two New York teams are bidding for his services. Uh, the Yankees desperately need pitching. The Mets just need star players. Surprisingly, they don't usually battle like this for free agents. Usually, usually the Yankees get the best ones. Uh, but the Mets are under new owner Steve Cohen, who's a billionaire. He is not afraid to spend money, for sure. Now, Yamamoto has a 45-day window uh, for him to get signed. That expires on January 5th. So we should know something pretty soon.
0: Well, Dave, as always, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Tiff.
0: And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Good night.